found this old recording of the Cotton Club as it had been before it was released. And of course, the people who had fight, that was sort of like guerrilla warfare, that movie, because there were many different auspices uh, and, and, uh, and, and distributors and, and, and uh, owners. And believe it or not, it was the Cotton Club and the general comment that I was being given is too many black people and too much tap dancing, which is, it was the Cotton Club. That's what, that's what it was about. Back to the den, baby. <laughs> We're in the same room together. Feels like it's been a whole pandemic. I want to clarify that the two in that sentence is the numeral two. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, ju I just want to make sure that, that and it everyone understands. To to us, right. the two two panthers in the den. I have to say off the bat that I have really, really, really bad allergies, and I feel like fucking death, and I sound like a goose or something. So. Um, that's what's going on with me. And and you have a hurt hand. I so. do. I'm in a cast right now. It's not great. Uh, so we're, we're not we're coming... We're alive. <laughs> we're alive. We're not coming back at 100% yet. That's okay, because yeah. we only really need um, to be there for like like 20%, because that's right. we have 20% of a new movie to talk yeah, about. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Cotton Club Encore. That is a re-edit slash director's cut right. of sorts of yeah. Cotton Club. Cotton Club Redux. Uh, that Coppola put out in 2019, I think is when it came out. Um, but I didn't hear about it at all until it was out. And then uh, I promptly forgot about it because <laughs> when we initially watched it, it didn't make a huge impression on me. Yeah. So it just kind of was one of the earlier ones that, you know, kind of uh, like, what's the other one he did with Sean Penn? around the same time. You know, it was like his one third, from fourth, the heart. yeah, like third, fourth, fifth movie. So, oh no, I'm talking about Cage. Oh, oh. Yeah, like, like oh, early oh, in Cage's uh, Running with the Moon. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they just kind of, I kind of forgot about those as we like moved on and to- And it's not a Cage movie, really. No, it's He's, not. He, yeah. And especially in this movie, uh, the, it's such an ensemble cast that he has a pretty pivotal role, but his screen yeah. time is less than 10 minutes total, probably, right? Yeah. 15 minutes, maybe, at the most. Yeah, but, yeah, this... It, and I've seen this movie three times now, or the original one two times, and, like, I still... I'm already kind of forgetting what happens. It's it, like the storyline is not the strong suit uh, of the movie, even the the director's cut. But um, I w I'm glad that we revisited it. Like, I And I'm glad that the like that this version exists. I mean, I would say it's, it's still, it's not a, there's a lot of other flaws that like what this did was like pull into a sharper relief. Some of the other, like the dialogue and some, there's some stuff that, that is not, there's some pacing things that, uh, it fixed, but then in other parts of the movie, I feel like it just makes it drag more. I mean, it, it it's a trade off, you yeah. know, with any kind of recut. I found it more enjoyable it, a watch it's a way, this It's time. way better. Yeah. It's way better. And, and it's and more balanced. Right. I definitely agree. The thing that I like is he fleshed out Gregory Hines' uh, romance and just his life and his family in general more. Right. Uh, in this version. 
He said, there, I think it's 20 minutes, he said, he yeah. added, right? Yeah. Well, and, and I guess that's kind of like part of the legend of the, this movie. Or part of the, one of the many things that went wrong with the original thing is that. Like, yeah, which we go into detail in our original episode about yeah. it. So I would encourage anyone to just go listen, just listen to, to that because it, it involved a lot of crazy things like. There was a murder. Uh, Robert Evans, the producer, got got called yes. in as a person of interest on like a murder, and there was a lot of really shady uh, funding of the movie. Uh, and then when Coppola came in, he basically fired the whole crew and like brought in his own guys. So there was just a whole. The history of this movie is is of just that really overblown flop that never like found an audience right. and uh just kind of disappeared <laughs> but but really and so and part of what happened was that like the studio pressured coppola to cut out a lot of the stuff with gregory hines and the black characters basically like they they having gregory hines's character have as much screen time if not more than richard Gere's character and his whole romance like they were like nobody wants that no one wants to buy it so they made them cut it down and it that that really is the thing that fucked over that movie. It is like it because is. seeing that, like we could tell having watched it the first time, we were like uh, the scenes that they left in with uh, Gregory Hines. It feels feels like there should be more to this, and I still like all the storylines. Like uh, there's nothing. I I was puzzling over like why this still isn't working for me, and I have some ideas. Um, or things that I, I kind of like landed on. But the thing that really did work now was I like felt like I understood essentially what he was trying to do. Totally. And I right. didn't understand that the first time. I, I was like, I mean, and some of this, like you were saying, like some of this feels like just retreads of The Godfather or um, some of his way better movies. There are a lot of scenes, especially in the mobster subplot, that are... <laughs> it's basically direct rips of yeah. scenes he already did in God in the Godfathers. Yeah, like if some if another artist had done it, like um, it, he would be accused of fully ripping him off. But it also, like it's not as good. It, it's just it feels like he is using old tricks, but just in service of much shallower material. And it just doesn't like it, there's it's a lot of flash without substance. But like a lot of montages, a lot of like crazy camera angles, and uh, I mean. I don't know if it was because of the re-edit or there were just parts of it that I missed before, but this, when I watched it this time, the movie felt a lot more, I want to say like lyrical almost yeah. in its yeah, like musical. pacing, yeah. you know what I mean? With the with the extra scenes and then also where there were, uh, there was at least one or two extra full musical numbers that were put back in. Yeah. So, and, and also the order of the musical numbers versus the like dialogue scenes were reordered and like kind of shuffled around too. It's like every five or 10 minutes as the film goes on, there's another musical number or a dance number like, and it just sort of keeps punctuating the action. And I mean, those are far and away the best parts of the movie. Like they're yeah, absolutely. like just the talent on display is insane. You pointed out when we were watching it that like none of the, all the songs are these old standards and yet they're not placed in a way that seems to like is in discussion with the narrative at all. So yeah, it, yeah. like the narrative there really, it could have used that. Like it, it's this movie sort of doesn't go full musical. Like it doesn't, it's like everything is heightened and kind of like cartoonish to it, like a, just a small degree, like in the sense that as much as anything else, like what, 
he or this movie wants to do is to be like the Cotton Club, yeah, like totally. oh, right, so right. fabulous. Right. Imagine like the lights, the glamour, and like it never really. Com- really takes us behind the stage and like in a way that feels real because everything that we get it treats it all too delicately and a lot of it also is abstract i mean there are certain numbers a lot of the musical numbers are just basically like elaborately staged like performances of the songs in the club so it's they're basically yeah almost all of them are yeah you're essentially filming like what they would be performing uh, but then there are a couple musical numbers that are almost like like they do in a more conventional musical right. where the story will almost stop. And then like Angelica, there was at least one or two where she just basically like sings to herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, you know, weird lights and like patterns floating around her. It's right. done in like a really like artistic, like abstract kind of way. And then... It'll just be another scene after that of like more, you know, whatever. It yeah. like it, it it just cuts back to Richard Gere again but, after that. Yeah, and it feels like the boundaries of what the the like realism of all that stuff feels like a little confused. Like every musical number pretty much is tied to the stage at the Cotton Club. Like there's a few that take place other places, but they're all tied to whatever space there is. People don't just break out into song and in like the singing in the rain way, but Everybody who's hanging out is always just break like they tap dance together and and sing and practice together and stuff. And it's like that feels kind of real. But also everyone feels like they're kind of living in a musical world, but they don't like the the world of a musical, but they don't know it. Right. And even like there's there's an artificiality to everything Uh, like the, the stage design, set design and everything is so meticulous and on point that it, it feels a little fussy in like mm-hmm. a Broadway kind of way. And and like, I think where he fudges the sort of, it's it's weird because like the musical set pieces, it's like, okay, it's realistic because it's on the stage and we're being realistic about the props that they use look very simple, very rudimentary. And so it's like, we're giving you kind of an a, idea of what this actually would be and trying to sweep you up in it. But at the same time, like, you know, I lost my train of thought. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know. It just it never you never quite get swept up in it and and then he'll he'll fudge certain things like the lighting in those scenes is like it, it looks like a music video. Right. Like I was thinking that this is this came out in 1984 and I wonder how many like height of MTV. Like MTV had been around for 4 years at that point, but like there can't have been that many movies by then that were directly influenced by that and the editing and the lighting even just the people like the below the line people who would be working on this movie would have been familiar with what had already become sort of codified at mtv and had probably maybe even worked on a couple videos themselves already and yeah yeah and so those elements feel very tied to the 1984 and to that sort of sensibility. And so it's weird. It's weird the ways that it, it feels tied to its period and some sort of idea of realism. And then in other ways, like even just the story, it's like, okay, it's about a co- the cotton club, <laughs> right. but it's not really about any of the real <laughs> stories that there, I mean, it's a famous club. So there's numerous stories that he could have, but it's just like, imagine if these people were there, <laughs> Right, <laughs> just funny. 
you know, they're proxies for real gangsters. They're proxies yes. for real musicians. They're proxies it, for real movie stars. Dancers and, dancers and everything. But, and, everything. But, and that's yeah. how those characters feel, which is really what sucks. It's like Richard Gere, everybody is kind of like, it, you can just sum it up in a sentence, you know, like, yeah, Gregory Hines has, he he falls in love with a, a woman who's passing for white sometimes, and he has a thing with his brother that he throws over for right. that. But it's really like, he has that one kind of really basic motivation that is like very surfacy. Every Everybody's character is extremely surfacy. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that you pointed out that I think is true is like, it never really like stops like the movie just oh. never, it never just sits in a moment. Right. And, and that's part of why it feels like a fucking musical is because it just keeps going. There's always a flash and razzle yeah. dazzle all there's the always, time. Yeah, there's always someone dancing in the fringes of the frame. There's yeah. always somebody like playing piano or singing softly in the background yes. of the audio. There's the, always, the camera's sweeping around. And or oftentimes like, they do a crazy thing. I did read a little bit about how they, obviously we listened to it on my 40 inch TV, uh, <laughs> but they remixed the five one soundtrack and they were able to do Coppola was talking about like being able to do more discreet things with the dialogue versus the music. Mm. And I did notice that there were a lot of scenes where it was, there, there was a lot of overlap between yeah. music happening in the background or, general club ambiance or street ambiance and then also people having like really fast rat tat tat kind of dialogue over it and it was hard to track sometimes um which can be cool like that can right. take you into the realism of what a club can be but it's exhausting and it was almost the whole time yeah. even the intimate scenes where it's just Richard Gere and Diane Lane or just Gregory Hines and his and his girl even there's something happening outside the hotel room on the street that you can hear over it or, yeah. or they have a radio playing at the same time, you know? So it just never, it, the, the, the soundtrack was like kind of unrelenting and that was something I thought could have, um, maybe it would have sounded cooler in five one. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just like a little, it's a little bit too shallow and a little bit, I mean, even the way it ends is very like, like with the spot the closing spotlight and the trend that's all folks and and it's all (laughs) yeah it's all it's very self-aware in a lot of ways too and and i think though which i don't mind especially if you just go full musical because musicals are always extremely self-aware but like i think this suffered from kind of towing the line and not landing on in either yeah i'm there's something about i mean i could not figure out what it was but I mean, Coppola can shoot spectacle, but there's there's something that he's missing about shooting the music and performance. Like, I, the performers, I mean, especially the dancers in this are so good that you like, you you know, all you have to do is point a camera at them and let them go. And, And he has some interesting, like, angles. Like, he plays with a lot of that kind of stuff, but... I don't know what it was. I don't know if you agree, but like there's something lacking in the like the the rhythm of the movie itself felt musical, but I feel like he doesn't know how to really shoot and stage a musical scene where I felt like I got swept up in it. Well, I always just felt like I was like, "Oh, cool. Yeah, right. That's that's nice." I'm watching from I'm watching the, from the audience. From the audience, right, which might have been the point cuz yeah. to make you feel like you're in the club in the audience or maybe I don't know but I do agree with you that well didn't he do wasn't one from the heart of musical yeah it was did you see that yeah and I think that that suffers from some of the same problems in the sense that he's trying to approach it 
as a deconstructed musical. Yeah, if, is that but it only that only works if you. I I don't. You have believe, to have clear purpose right. of what then you are doing. And like, I what story also don't you believe telling? that he could tell a straight musical. No, I don't he, think he could. And he's trying to couch his version of it in like a oh, it's like a deconstruction of a musical. But yeah. really, you just don't know how to do a proper musical. I. I it reminds me of. But the thing is, he doesn't have to. That that's why it's yeah. weird to me that he did those. Those two movies, there might have been a third, but he did a couple like music or musical esque, uh-huh. you know, movies in this time period, uh, like around Rumblefish and yeah. One from the Heart and this. And, you know, it was like a very romantic period for him, I think. Um, interesting. I just. But it, it, it also, you know, he played with it and maybe he did what he wanted to. But I, as a viewer, none of the movies have ever really struck me as being like. Uh, that well executed, to be honest. I yeah, I, I it's messy. You it's know? messy. Yeah, and and there's some. You know what it kind of reminds me of is, um, have you seen the Bogdanovich film uh, What's Up Doc? Yeah. Yeah, like that's a m- way more successful film, but I always like that's like a slapstick comedy, like in like heavy like quotes because you can tell right. Bogdanovich is like. I am doing this and I am showing you this now and we are doing this. And, and did you see what I did? Look at that, how it turns out, you know? And I think there's a little bit of like, this was a bit of like a musical in quotes and then also a gangster movie also kind of in quotes. Right. Like, and it, it just, it never sinks into, it never sinks into the realism of it in the way that like the Godfather, especially Godfather two, like it's not, you don't get swept up in the glamour of mob life unless you're just like an idiot. Like what well, well, you watch that movie and you're like, Oh yeah, this is kind of like, it, it doesn't seem fun. It's no. not flashy and cool. And like this could not let, it could not take that path of full realism fact where, cause like you said, I think it wanted, it's like you're in the club. Imagine the cotton club, amazing cotton club. Well, but then it also couldn't go like full fantasy for some reason. Right. So it's just, it just doesn't feel grounded in anything really. Yeah. It just kind of floats in a limbo and it's uh and it is an interesting tone poem of a movie. I yeah. Think. And, and I think I'm glad we watched it again cause I did appreciate it more the second yeah. time. And this was a better film. And it was, definitely in general a better film i mean you're still committing it's like almost 130 minutes i think this version of it so it was like a long movie yeah but um, i'd still i'd be way quicker to recommend this to look if you're if you already know you want to watch the cotton club just just put the extra time into watching this version yeah because it's a much better version it will go by faster as coppola himself said and also i'm sorry gregory hines is just does gravity not apply Mm. to that motherfucker I mean, Holy his, shit. just, it's like you were saying, it's like just lot, you can just lock the camera off yeah, and just watch him do his thing. Most of my favorite, uh, the shots were just like a medium shot of him just fucking dancing. Him and his brother. Him and his brother. Which I guess is based on the Nicholas brothers, I would assume. Oh, I Right. Don't, I don't to know. some extent. Um, God, that part where they're like leapfrogging over each other and yeah. landing and doing the splits each time. Right. Holy shit. I don't know. I'll, this is the last thing I'll I'll say about. It. I just I, it bothers me that I can't put my finger on why I don't feel like Coppola can shoot as musically as he, I think he thinks he can. Because like I don't know. Like I think about like Apocalypse Now has some f- extremely like musical parts, like both literally and like just the way that it. So you, you would think that he could, but there's. Um, I, I don't know if I imagine him trying to shoot like stop making sense or something. I think he'd <laughs> fuck it up. I don't think he could do it. I'm not sure why, but there, God, man, like the costumes, the acting, the Impeccable. sets, 
the lighting in I mean, general. This, it's just like, yeah. it's so good. This movie lost like tens of millions of dollars. It bombed really hard. And you, but the but thing it's on the is, screen. <laughs> the thing is, you can see the money on the fucking screen. It looks great. I guess it he really sp- does. He spent half a million dollars restoring it of his own vineyard money. Yeah, there you go, man. Got it, that uh, that <laughs> Coppola wine money, dude. I can't wait till he uh, puts out the director's cut of that uh, the um, Val Kilmer one. Oh yeah, what wait, is it? Twix. Twix. That's what it's called. <laughs> oh my god, I kind of want to watch that one again. Uh, I you've haven't seen. seen it. I haven't seen it, dude. Honestly, like if. <laughs> I wonder if it's as bad as I remember it, yeah, or if it just is. Anyway, it, I, I just it, like his ponytail. In it. Yeah, it's and I really like, crazy. I Twist is such a stupid name. Stupid for a name, movie. but honestly, like I feel like Coppola for the last like fifteen years, twenty years has just been like wiling out. He's just going off. Like he's only released a couple <laughs> things, but they're all just. He's clearly just doing whatever he wants in his like twilight years. He's like, fuck it. I have enough money. I have the name recognition. No one will say no to me. I can just do whatever I think up. Yeah, like one day kind of like Paul Schrader or, <laughs> or William Friedkin too like I feel like they're Schrader's still I think Schrader's still trying to get some like awards and shit he's still real hungry for it but there's still he has a all, new movie coming out oh, that's right yeah yeah but those guys are really like they have enough money to chill forever totally and, uh, right so it, they're in it for the love of the game I it's funny I'm not sure what we touched on the first time around so this doesn't need to be a long episode but um what did uh let's just talk about what we noticed larry fishburne's in it yeah um man i want it i would watch a movie of just him being that pimp. right that every time he was on screen he was so fun it's so good uh that was an, that's what was another good uh uh Coppola used it used him in apocalypse now too yeah I've, i think apocalypse now was maybe his first role like his first movie crazy yeah um, that's the other thing I like about Coppola is that he he brings a lot of the same actors back. Oh yeah, including of course Nick Cage. Here we go. The I man mean himself. Here are my thoughts about this. Great. Um, that's why we're here. He, Nick, <laughs> <laughs> Nick Cage has this is he is not his accent is not he's he's from it's, Southern California and it is very clearly from Southern California the whole time um, and like honestly like. Coppola, would he have a career without Coppola? Like, I don't, I don't want to diminish everything that he's done since then. It would have taken him longer to ramp up. I think he was given like three, uh, pretty good like leg up roles. Yeah, and and this being outside of Peggy Sue, which is his wildest one, um, and one of his best early movies. Yeah, dude. I mean, like seriously, that that movie's great. That's a great movie all around. I content still but um yeah he he's not he's not perfectly cast in this he it works to the extent that his character is a goofball like fuck up right and that's fine so he can kind of do whatever performance he wants and it's not going to sink it and he's trying stuff and doing stuff that we see him do successfully later on but i, mean, I was like he wouldn't yeah, he wouldn't no. have passed that audition no he definitely wouldn't have i mean he just plays like a dopey try hard and and he is uh you know sympathetic until the end yeah where, yeah as any as much yeah, as anybody is in this movie uh, until he kills a child um yeah or <laughs> and what's sophia the, coppola actually Oh fuck! That was she. She played the little girl that got Amazing. gunned down on the street. Yeah, I do. I think that t- kind of nepotism is cute, honestly. And the fact that uh, Coppola um, 
kept putting them in movie. I mean, put her in Godfather three for God's sakes. And like, <laughs> and everybody's like, you can't do this. And he's like, yeah, I don't know, but I can though. I want to. It's cool. I can't even be mad at it. Richard Gere though. He was the only holdover in the cat or not the only, but he was the major of the, of the leads, the holdover from before Coppola was going to direct. Right. It. Yeah. He was tied to this thing. I think yeah. he really, I mean, I think if any of the actors were like invested in it, you know, more so than as like a, a, a job, it was probably Richard Gere. Yeah. Um, I, it's, cause it, he, he the was lead in a Coppola movie. Yeah. And he was even tied onto it. I think he, he might've optioned, Puzo to write the the screenplay. Also, again, we didn't mention Mario Puzo wrote right. the initial screenplay that right. then got rewritten a bunch of times. So he's just credited with story in the oh. end. But uh, yeah, but he wrote the first couple drafts of it. This yeah. is just because Richard Gere was just really wanted people to see him play the cornet. Well, they make a big deal about it. We actually said this in our first episode yeah. because it, it it struck me again this time. It's a huge like credit on screen yeah it, it's, it's it's one like of the first things you see cornet solos by rich played by richard gear or something it very explicitly tells you he plays his own cornet in this movie yeah uh and he does he also seemingly plays piano i couldn't i didn't see any cutaways in that in those right. scenes so i think it was actually him playing it uh so i guess he's a passable yeah. musician enough to you know look like he knows what he's doing i mean least. Jeff Goldblum is out there playing piano at that club all the time. Yeah. Like, uh, let's let's get gear in there, man. They can have a duo. And we get Matthew McConaughey on the bongos. Oh, Holy man, shit. that'd be great. <laughs> You'd see that shit all over Instagram. <laughs> Everybody posing with them. That's fun. Have you know, maybe this is just an L.A. thing, but like, I feel like if you dig into many people's social media, you'll find a picture of them with Jeff Goldblum at that club. Yeah. <laughs> Very approachable. It pops up on the timeline. I really like the Hoofers club scene. Yeah. I like that it's a He-Man woman haters club, but just for tap dancers. Right, for guys that can just like <laughs> shred and in then, tap shoes. And uh, he brings the woman in and they're like, hey, this is the Hoofers club. We're going to dance about it and show you why you can't be here. <laughs> and then they do. They do. And then they all, they all do an incredible like club-wide tap routine. Yeah, that was amazing. a sick scene. Uh, I did... He might have been in it less initially, or I just didn't pay as close attention to him when I watched it before. But I did, uh, I would like to highlight Tom Waits. Yes. Because he was surprisingly um, present throughout it. He didn't have a lot of screen time, but he was always kind of weaving in and out of yeah. it. Uh, and I think it was an interesting characterization, honestly. I mean, he was, you know, he was doing his like club host. Barker kind yeah. of thing, but it was like cool. You this know what like I mean? Right after Swordfish Trombones, or oh, like yeah. or probably filmed it like right before, or like right around there. So it's like it, that's the the vintage of weights that you're getting, and it it fits right in. Yeah. What else? I I always I love that ill wind number. I mm -hmm. like that that version of it, and uh, the that's the one song that I feel like I'm like, okay, this is it's that is commenting on the story because it's showing a montage of, you know, the, the all the gangster things happening right. and getting more gangstery, the money piling up and the people getting shot and stuff. And, you know, okay, an ill wind is coming. It makes sense. As opposed to, like, what she, she does that, like, very aggressive version of, um, what was that song? Oh, A Stormy Weather. 
Oh like, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. like it's like very combative. And that's to introduce her and it's like you know, uh, it, it's good but also like once again the movie is like it's like jazz, excitement. Like it just keeps like cranking the the yeah. knob up and you're like There's always someone scatting or <laughs> or like or playing scales or, or soft yeah. shoeing somewhere in the background of like every single scene. What what does he say? Doesn't gear? He's oh like, yeah, he it's goes. Not, it's not real life. It's, it's jazz. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the movie. Oh, I love a, it in a quote. Um, but yeah, pretty damn good. Um, not not, you know, not good enough, but no. uh, way better and like and really pretty. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah, again, I just like all the costumes and the production design. The sets are incredible. I mean, everything looks like, you know, antique. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Have, do you ever see Once Upon a Time in America? I have, yeah. Yeah, that, that's like, that's the gallant to this one's goofus. That's a, Interesting. That's yeah, a yeah. really, really, all this attention paid to, uh, you know, all the same things, but a story that comes together and feels like it actually is saying something deeper about America itself and blah, 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 right. blah. Whereas this, like, for as much time as they spend with the race stuff, which is really, I would say, the only, like, the most, like, clear sort of statement that it seems to be making is it hammers home again and again, like, okay, the, you know, the the this arbitrary, like, race line is here, and it's really blurry in within the Cotton Club or clubs like it because you have black talent on stage, but they can't come through the front door and then sometimes you're if you're black you're allowed to maybe be on the floor like or if you're like Lawrence Fishburne you know is there but it's just like you know it keeps examining it and then she is i forget that character's name but she's passing Angelica Angelica yeah, right. it, uh, can pass for white and like but is in love with Gregory Hines and like that stuff it doesn't go deep enough but that seems to be the one thing that it's like saying beyond just like the the 30s those crazy years right and i think with the extended gregory hines footage it really does making making his screen time more or less equal with richard gears in this version you really do get a sense of it being two different cotton clubs yes you know and like and i know it's corny but like two different americas right you know depending on if you were black or white um maybe I, i i wonder how intentional it is that like I mean, Gregory Hines' character is, like, he he makes a decision that hurts his brother, but, like, ultimately, he's very sympathetic. Angelica's very sympathetic, and, like, their whole, their arc is is definitely the more, more interesting storyline. And Richard Gere, his whole, and uh, who's the actress who plays his love interest? Diane Lane. Um, oh, she loves Diane Lane. Yeah. They're just not that sympathetic. Like, they're just right. kind of, like... I don't know. It's I mean, just, she looks like a doll. She does. Like she's done up and dressed up like a fucking porcelain doll in most of the scenes. So Yeah. I don't know if it's a commentary that yeah. they're like, yeah, just um fake and shitty and like they kinda I don't know, they get a happy ending, but it doesn't you're just like, oh, okay. Well. I don't know if anyone really gets a happy ending in this movie. Well they get to go to California together oh, that's and they true. don't yeah, they don't yeah. die. Yeah, he's like a movie star, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Mob starring in Mob Boss that he based I, off of the actual Mob Boss he worked for. Mob Boss, my favorite, like really sort of like first thought, best thought, like shallow, dumb thing in this movie was in that montage where it zoomed in on somebody filling in a crossword and they were writing gangster. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> Honestly, this movie d- 
really does something I love, which is montages of headlines. And, oh, my God. And action shots to show the passing of time. I would have watched an hour of that. Just it like was, martini was, glasses filling up and yeah. like slot machines going. The Yeah. Coppola can shoot the fuck out of something like that. Definitely. Man knows a montage. All right, I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, I don't know, man, me either. That's about it. This is a good version. If you're going to watch this movie, yeah. you should watch this one. Uh, you know, impressed that Richard Gere can play the cornet that well. I wonder if he it. still plays it. Yeah, I wonder. When was the last time he picked up the cornet? Richard Gere, get at us. If you want to come on an episode, you <laughs> could do a live, at you do a live session in the Panther Den. <laughs> <laughs> Just a cornet jam. Oh, fuck, we could jam with him. <laughs> God. <laughs> Uh, what uh, are we doing next? What are we is doing it jujitsu? Oh shit! Is there one before that? I don't have my phone in here. Can, uh, you, can uh, you look it up? If it's jujitsu, then um, I gotta contact our very special guest. That's gonna be a big episode. Da, 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 da. Man, the first video that comes up on his IMDb is the Wicker Man like bees <laughs> thing. <laughs> After all these years, that's that's still one of his defining. Uh, Fuck. Scenes. Jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu, yeah. Okay. Wow, dude. We're so close. I know. Well, this is going to be the first time that we are doing a movie that came out the year before. Yeah, 2020. Like, yeah, we're, we, we caught up to within a year of where we are in real time. There were only two that came out in 2022. So I know. I wonder I th- why that is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I know, right? <laughs> I wonder why there weren't more movies in 2020. It's funny because for a minute I thought they all came out like in the last couple months. So for the, all of 2020, I was like, this is going to be the first year in forever that Cage isn't going to have a movie. <laughs> but then, of yeah. course, in in like October, November, December, he dropped like three of them, of course. Like, um. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, foreign-backed uh, alien uh, martial arts movie, uh, animated sequel, <laughs> and, um, and the one where he fights a bunch of machines. Goddamn. Uh, I can't wait for that one. <laughs> All right, I need to yeah. go die somewhere. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> uh, it was good having you back. Dude, it's great being back in the den. All right, I'll see yeah. you next time. Uh, as always, follow, follow subscribe. Follow, subscribe, like, and subscribe. Uh, send send us little messages. If um, you're Richard Gere, our DMs are open. Yeah, let's play some St. Louis toodaloo, baby. <laughs> Roll through with the cornet. Larry. <laughs> you know what's classic is the uh, TV aquarium. You never see those anymore. That's true. <laughs> it's a good idea, though. <laughs> it's I feel like, like extremely like real world, but <laughs> yeah, totally. I feel like that's a very '90s mentality. Mm-hmm. Is is the aquarium for sure yeah because it's kind of like a bratty statement too but also like really kitschy yeah and you know if you don't want to actually take care of an aquarium or or if you want to be somebody who's like i don't even watch tv right totally yeah there you go